げているセンス広げているセンス広げているセンス広げているセンス広げているセンス広げているセンス広げているセンス。Children in Japan attend elementary school from the age of 6 to 12, passing through six year groups. Although at Nichu I act as classroom assistant, at my three elementary schools I am required to design and lead 45 minute lessons. The preparation can be fairly arduous, and my first weekend in Kitakata was spent buried by materials, desperately trying to work out what I needed to do, reducing my floor to a complete shambles. Thankfully, practice makes peaceful, and lesson planning is not the protracted heart attack it once was, although my notes still look a bit of a mess. Isho is a comparatively large school, with both the fifth and sixth years divided into three classes of roughly 30 students each. There was a period of time during which I very much hated Isho and referred to it in my lesson plans as hell. This was in the aftermath of a disastrously overcomplicated activity I had devised to teach directions left, right, etc. Most of the students reacted with apathy, but a few were outright bitchy. Two girls in particular gave me looks of poison. When I saw them later on in the day, they were wearing swimsuits and invited me to go swimming with them. Giving it little thought at the time, I told them I'd love to swim, but I couldn't. On reflection, however, I felt sure they were entertaining fantasies of drowning me. My first day at Isho involved a rather stressful lunch period. It can sometimes be a bit of a long wait to be escorted from the teacher's room by a member or two of the class I'm scheduled to eat with, but on this day I was still sat at my desk 25 minutes into the lunch break when my stomach started to audibly complain. After a tentative inquiry, the teachers present assured me I would be collected. Time continued to tick by until finally one teacher went to check the situation for me. They reappeared, saying I'd just been remembered. At last, I was escorted to eat with a class of third years, about nine to ten years old, in a large circle formed by their tiny desks. I had managed a few mouthfuls of egg salad and some small talk with the kids on either side of me when the teacher turned on the TV. It struck me as odd that in a culture that values mealtime quite highly, children would be encouraged to watch telly while eating. The screen displayed nothing but a vacant table and chair before some of the school's students appeared and I realised it was live. I was told I should give a self introduction. Though was left unsure as to exactly where and to whom I would deliver it. I was still extremely hungry and knew from my timetable that only ten minutes of lunch remained. One boy was charged with guiding me to wherever I needed to be, although he got us a little lost on the way. 
I was delivered to the room from which the announcements were being broadcast, which was attached to a smaller room for the control equipment. There was only one teacher while everyone else was under 12 years old. It felt like Lord of the Flies with a lot less jungle and a lot more wires. We waited for a group of students to finish their talk, illustrated with an oversized hand-drawn poster held by six people, before I sat down at the desk, facing the camera like a newscaster. I was so hungry. I gave my awkward bilingual address, all the while distracted by the reflection of my own awkward face. It was over soon enough, and I was taken back to the classroom where I urgently rammed the rest of my food in my face before lunch could be called to a finish. Everyone around me, however, continued to consume their meal in a leisurely fashion and showed no concern about the immediate end of mealtime. I made an inquiry as to when the next class would begin and was told two o'clock, an hour and five minutes away. My timetable had not included the post-lunch playtime and cleaning and I had paid little attention to the times listed in the afternoon. I needn't have risked indigestion. The kids I ate lunch with were, like all the younger classes, freaking adorable. There was one girl in particular who knew a surprising amount of English. She was very pretty, had a big gap, which a front tooth would one day replace, and said to me, verbatim, Jenny teacher, you are beautiful. So she was an instant favourite. Thankfully, over the months, I have found the school to be much more agreeable, and even enjoy it now. Most of the teachers are lovely, the fifth years are amazing, if loud, and I seem to have somehow won the sixth years over. I believe, though, that there were some problems among the sixth years which I have only been partial witness to. On that eventful first day, as I arrived to teach sixth three, I saw their homeroom teacher, Hosoya-sensei, lecturing a small group of students just outside the classroom. I went in and started the class with Hosoya-sensei there, but he soon vanished, returning only five minutes before the close. As per my contract, I am not supposed to teach without the presence of another teacher, so I was quick to log a complaint with Communicat before it became a habit. I wouldn't have minded too much if their behaviour of the class had been better, but they were quite rowdy and disinterested, and it was a struggle to keep them engaged. Hosoya-sensei has since remained in class with me, and while not a notably warm individual, does make some effort to get the kids to take an interest. The class remained, however, not particularly pleasant to teach. As a whole, they seemed to become increasingly subdued, making the atmosphere stale and uncomfortable. Moreover, a few of the girls wore unaltering expressions of silent devastation, as if they'd just been informed their entire families had perished in a fire, after a number of weeks, I noticed one of the stone-faced girls had been translocated to another class, and since then everyone seems to be generally happier, particularly her. My best deduction is that there were some issues of bullying, which the school, to their credit, seemed to have addressed. However, as I teach there no more than once a week, this could all be pure conjecture. The other sixth-year teachers are Ito-sensei and Higuchi-sensei. Ito-sensei, until recently, taught in Thailand and is extremely well-travelled. 
As a corollary, his English is proficient, and he clearly encourages his class to have a love of it, so his lessons are pretty fun. Higuchi-sensei is a very sweet woman who smiles a lot. I worry, however, that I may have impaired my relationship with her after I lost my temper at a girl in her class. This girl sat centre front, kept laughing in an extremely distracting way while I was teaching. I have a strong feeling she was reacting to the whispers from an insolent boy next to her, but as he was wearing a face mask, I was unable to incriminate him. At first I ignored it. Then I innocently inquired if she was okay. Then I made her drill the word fifth in front of everyone because she wasn't joining in. Then finally I just stopped and berated her in my crappy Japanese, demanding to know what was so funny. Only then did she desist. My intense and protracted anger eventually simmered down to guilt. Especially the following week, when Ito-sensei mentioned in passing that I had gotten angry. So Higuchi-sensei had evidently spoken about it. As she is a nice lady, she hasn't treated me any the worse for it and I hope to repair any damage by delivering good lessons for her class and being generally less irritable. The fifth years, contrary-wise, are incredible. They are the sweetest, most engaged and loudest children anyone could hope for. They have a great time in my lessons and consequently, so do I. If anything, they're too enthusiastic, as keeping them in check requires shouting oneself hoarse. Their teachers, Watanabe-sensei, Kasama-sensei and Kasaka-sensei, are all fantastic, particularly Kasaka-sensei, who the children love and respect greatly. They call him Octopus Teacher, a running gag that Kasaka-sensei himself encourages, because he can pull a face like a cartoon octopus. The fifth year textbook includes a lesson in which the students are required to guess the word globe. I'm not sure why, as none of them know it, but their attempts are impressive. In Ishul's 5-1 class, a girl offered up map ball, which was, quite frankly, pure genius. A lively round of similar guesses followed, culminating in one boy shouting, Hi! to get my attention over the din. Yes, I acknowledged. Galaxy space balls! He hollered. Whether or not Kasaka-sensei understood the testicle reference, I don't know, but we both fell apart laughing. The principal is also great and will stand at the front of school in the mornings high-fiving the kids as they arrive. He spoke to me for quite a while one day, and I was pretty chuffed with how much I understood. He chuckled at himself and said that he couldn't speak English, though I pointed out that this was fine as he was in Japan. While I have grown to be much fonder of this school, there was one particular morning when my dread of going in was so acute, I stood in the car park for a while peering into the tall, circular cage of the school's clinically white rabbit and cohabiting chicken to achieve some tranquillity. The lessons went fine, 
but the day completely turned around when I spent lunch with a class of second years. The teacher was lovely and encouraged the kids to ask me questions and introduce themselves. Afterwards, I played with the students in the space outside their classroom, with increasing numbers of them hanging off my arms. I loved it. I was already on a happiness rush from the adrenaline of playing tag and spinning in circles, when a young and beautiful trainee teacher, who had also eaten with this class, handed me an A4 sheet of paper covered in signatures and drawings from the students. In the centre was... Dear Miss Jenny, please come again. In that moment, I could have wept with joy. After this, I helped the class with their scheduled cleaning time. This instance is unlikely to ever be displaced as the best lunchtime of my life. On another lunch break, I was with a class of third years, sat next to a girl who was adorable but spoke only softly and rapidly. I didn't catch a single word, but thankfully she didn't appear to be asking me anything and so didn't require a response. As cute as she was, it was a little frustrating to be used as a sounding board for her incomprehensible stream of consciousness. At yet another lunch with the younger kids, the students got caught up in asking me the English for various Japanese words. If anyone wants to study cultural borrowing or the spread of ideas, observe a room of children. The punchline was that they were kept unwittingly asking me about words that had been directly taken from English and thus required no translation, like lion and ice cream. Naturally, I'm glad my feelings towards the school have changed dramatically, and I seem to have garnered a much better relationship with the students. The girl who so long ago invited me to go swimming, probably at my own peril, now seems to adore me. Something I cannot understand, but do not dare question. It is probably worth bearing at the forefront of one's mind that the process of growing up involves not only an increase in skills and knowledge, but a refinement of emotions, and thus changes in attitude that would appear practically bipolar in an adult are merely part of the daily tide for those who are experiencing life's tumultuous waters for the first time. This insight... I'm sure, is banally obvious for those who have raised or worked with children, though I guess the realisation is a part of my own adultwood journey. Kamisamiya is a small school surrounded by farmland, about 15 minutes' drive from the centre of Kitakata. As I pulled into the school grounds on my first day, two little girls saw me behind the wheel, looked excited and chased my car for a few seconds. Comparing the populations of Isho and Kamisamiya is borderline comical. At Isho, there are roughly 90 students in each year group. Meanwhile, Kamisamiya's fifth year has 12 kids, and the sixth year has eight. This naturally changes the dynamics of the lessons considerably, and as a teacher, you can cover much more ground with so few students. In her handover notes, my predecessor described the students of Kamisamiya as awesome, saying that they try extremely hard at English. I have found this to be partially true. 
With six girls and two boys, the sixth year as a whole is quiet and studious, and consequently the students do well at English. Their teacher, Kato-sensei, appears to be an intelligent man and often spends my lessons flipping through an English dictionary, seeming to study along with the children. He looks to be in his 60s, and while he doesn't smile often, I began to suspect that he was actually quite gentle beneath the authoritarian countenance. I thus resolved to speak to him more and offered to assist with any questions he might have regarding the English language. Before I could put this plan into effect, however, my opinion towards him took a serious knock. The students were learning how to tell the time in English, and one of the book activities involved listening to a time, then drawing the hands of a clock in the appropriate position. One of the audio files chimed, it's 10.45. Naturally, the children would then draw the shorter hand pointing at 10 and the longer hand reaching towards 9. On a real clock, of course, the shorter hand would in fact rest closer to 11 with only 15 minutes until the hour struck. Kato-sensei approached a group of the three girls and one boy and explained the aforementioned positioning to the boy. Raising his head, he then continued, The girls don't have to do it because it's difficult. Even the girls themselves looked unimpressed, though like myself said nothing. I was busy replaying the cerebral soundbite, checking my Japanese in the hope that I had misunderstood and he hadn't just been a complete twat. Sadly, there was no mistake made. I understood every word. Thankfully, the sixth year students themselves are sweet. Because I started partway through the year, I continued a lesson that my predecessor had begun and unknowingly conducted an activity which they'd already completed. Rather than highlight my error, the kids tried to hide the fact that they knew the answers, even attempting to erase the markings in their books without my noticing. I was quite touched by their kindness, even if it was born out of embarrassment. The fifth years, however, are a different beast altogether. And I mean beast. With a gender ratio of ten boys to two girls, the difference in behaviour is startling. I am quite the opponent of gender stereotype and assumption, but it would seem that the importance of male kudos means the majority of the boys are little shits. When boys start misbehaving in other schools, I have found that speaking Japanese, being nonchalant, reciprocating ridicule, or all of the above, is pretty effective in getting them to show some respect towards me. With Kamisamiya, none of these have proved successful. Their homeroom teacher, although a nice woman, does very little to control them, and I'm not sure whether it's because she's ignorant of the extent of their disrespect, or if she cannot find the energy to tackle it. I have gotten genuinely quite upset with the maliciousness of the fifth years, as they don't even attempt to conceal their sniggers at my expense. One day they asked if I knew about American oranges, and I was pretty sure the conversation was about my breasts. In a lesson with the grammar point, what do you want, one boy said clearly, what fuck do you want?
I don't consider myself to be easily shocked, and I doubt he even knew the phrase was grammatically legitimate, but I was still appalled. Their behaviour didn't even improve when their principal, a position that usually elicits a lot of respect, covered for their homeroom teacher. While the boys are a total nightmare, the girls are actually quite lovely. One in particular is great at English and tries hard, which entails swimming against the frustrating tide of her arrogant classmates. Ideally, I need to create lesson plans that keep the boys entertained with movement and competition while allowing the girls to shine and gain a sense of achievement. As yet, I have not figured out how to do this. Thankfully, not everything in this school is bad. The teachers are nice, save the king of misogyny. And many moons ago, I was called Bijin, literally beautiful person, by two teachers independently on the same day. The second had said, the kids must be embarrassed around you because you're a Bijin. Even if we are liberal enough to take the second clause as true, I thought, it doesn't make them fucking behave. Of course, I was still happy to receive the compliment. The younger students in years one through four are fantastic. When I teach them on occasion, they are so enthusiastic and adorable that I have a great time. One boy in the fourth year is short for his age, overweight, energetic, slightly cross-eyed behind his glasses and has a mildly forced confidence. I loved him instantly. In one lesson, while I reset a game, he got up and did a little dance in the interlude to entertain his classmates. On my first lunchtime at Kamisamiya, I played tag, some sort of zombie game, and another game, the object of which I could not understand. One very kind, petite girl was patiently explaining the rules to me and insisting on how easy it was, but I was hopelessly lost. Meanwhile, I was sorely tempted to have a go on the schoolyard playing apparatus, but thought questions might be asked if a grown white woman in business attire was seen atop a children's climbing frame. However, I decided I could get away with a few spins on the lower bars. One day, Nakano-sensei asked which of the elementary schools is my favourite, and it's possible that I answered a little too quickly with Matsuyama. The school is smaller than Isho, but bigger than Kamisamiya. One might call it just right. The fifth and sixth years are divided into two classes of about 20 students each. On occasion, I teach whole year groups together, which can be exhausting, not because of poor behaviour, but due to the sheer volume of bodies that need to be shouted over. At the end of one such lesson, a homeroom teacher gave a five-minute lecture on the importance of listening. I couldn't help feeling it would have been more useful while the class was still in progress. On my first morning at Matsuyama, I spoke to the principal for quite a while, and I was impressed at his knowledge of UK history, as he referenced the Celts and the Saxons. Unfortunately, it's hard enough to give a potted account of British heritage in English, in Japanese, I fail entirely. At this time, the school had recently acquired some tiny baby bunnies, though despite my invariable, if untruthful, response of rabbits 
whenever I'm asked about my favourite animal, I have yet to receive an offer to pet them. My first day at Matsuyama was at the end of an exhausting week, but I came away elated. The children are energetic, engaged and lovely, and all the teachers are caring and friendly. Sadly, in playing Fruits Basket in a sixth year lesson, a game which involves a lot of running about, two boys collided so violently that the taller one came away with a nosebleed. At lunchtime, I was asked to play with some of the younger kids, and despite my previous reticence at Kamisamiya, climbed to the top of the monkey bars. One lunchtime in September, I was eating with some first years, in complete silence. Prior elementary school lunches had been rather noisy, so this felt a little uncomfortable. It transpired that the teacher was just giving me a chance to eat, before the kids were permitted to fire questions at me. I was later sat in the teacher's room when some of the girls turned up at my desk, eager to interview me further. It was particularly flattering when, despite having run out of questions completely, they desperately tried to think of more. One girl asked me something that necessitated the consultation of my dictionary, and upon discovering that she was asking whether I preferred addition or subtraction, I realised they were truly scraping the bottom of the barrel. I decided to steer us towards playground games, and they taught me an enjoyable clapping game with rock-paper-scissors embedded in it. They complimented my side plait, and consequently I braided each of their hair. Unfortunately, the last girl had a short, slippery bob, which I could not wield, and I was left feeling guilty for copping out with a small plait at her temple. When I first started teaching, there was an old man with an extremely raspy voice sat opposite my desk. Just before the summer holidays, I mentioned I wanted to buy a bike, and he seemed to offer me his. I gave him my email address, but never heard back. When I returned after two months, he was gone, and another old man, who looks quite dejected most of the time, was in his place. This man, I came to realise, is the groundskeeper, and spends a lot of time playing on his phone. I have no idea what happened to the previous guy, and somehow I don't dare ask. The teachers are the loveliest people, and during the scorching summer months, the tall scheduler kindly provided a steady supply of cold drinks. I also came to my desk one day to find two apples with a note that, if translated literally, says, Jennifer Sensei, always thank you. The best English approximation I can conceive is, keep up the good work. Either way, it made me very happy.